Hi, I'm Amy Brenneman, and welcome to The Challengers, a podcast about seeing challenges in a new way, not as roadblocks, but as doorways that can lead to transformation. Today on the show, I'll be chatting with one of my dear friends, Nancy Newfeld Calloway. Nancy is a writer-producer known for her work on Married with Children and In Living Color. She is also one of the kindest and funniest people that I know. Nancy joins us today to talk about the experience of surviving acute leukemia, only to be left with a significant and life-altering neurological impairment. She now has a seriously compromised memory. Nancy is joined today by her friend Karen, and you'll hear her chime in from time to time. Karen is helping fill in some of the blanks in Nancy's story, and she's just one part of the support system that helps her on a daily basis. It is truly incredible what Nancy has gone through, and I thank her for being so open and honest. Please enjoy. So to the best of your ability, like take us back to getting that diagnosis. Okay. Well, and again, the irony is I don't remember a lot of it, but everybody, including my husband, who has a photographic memory, has written it down and re-input it. So emotionally, it's not that clear, but I know what it is. So now I know what it is. And I remember certain things like pain and confusion, but I was basically... um, on a family trip in Mexico and we were all hiking and I was just, um, I wasn't feeling great. I was having trouble breathing and I was heading up the mountain and, and my body was hurting and everything was like, uh, my legs and my hip. And basically, um, the next day I woke up on New Year's Eve and I couldn't get out of bed and we went to the ER. And you're back here in the States. You're not in Mexico. Correct. We came back and the first thing we did on the way home from the airport was go straight to the ER where they checked my white blood cell count and it was deathly high. And they were completely confused. And they said, we think she has leukemia. And I was like, wait, no, I have sciatica. I think you're confused. (laughs) (laughs) I have something else. And they're like, nope. And what I remember about that moment is they didn't even let you go home. No. It was the bad, bad, bad diagnosis. We're going to airlift you to a big hospital. So they airlifted me to the hospital. And I got in and they gave me three sessions of high-dose chemo and radiation, and it all culminated in a bone marrow transplant. So so do you remember... Well, I want to I want to sort and of And the joke in my family is you're not allowed to start any sentence with <laughs> do, do you remember? remember? <laughs> Assume yeah. I don't and then just say let me tell you a story. I guess <laughs> all right. So I, I want you to finish and then I have so many No, no. Of, I mean so well, I was I was going to say Nancy there were really kind of two chapters to your cancer situation. The first was when you were airlifted the hospital you were airlifted to was UCLA. Right. And you spent time in isolation in UCLA. I mean, you were completely quarantined from any human contact, you know, talking to your family across courtyards through windows and right. all kinds of craziness. Um, and it came home from that to begin treatment and really had to wrestle with, do I want to stay at UCLA or go to City of Hope? And you ultimately decided to go to City of Hope. Right. And went through your process at City of Hope through all of the chemo and then into the radiation and prepared yourself for the bone marrow transplant. Right. And once you got the bone marrow transplant, which basically entails completely stripping your immune system and basically beating you into an absolute 
receiver of whatever they're going to give you. They dump healthy cells into you from a donor that you were fortunately uh, able to find, a young guy in Israel, actually, that you right. found out later. A 21-year-old male Israeli soldier. Uh, yeah. I now have his blood. Yeah, which so, was crazy. And his DNA. And so his there DNA. You go. Um, but after receiving the bone marrow transplant, everything looked to be fine. And it was, you know, everything had taken well. She was really holding up amazingly well through this very, very punishing process. And then had some sort of a an infection. They thought, is it meningitis? We don't know what it is. And but they but they still went ahead with the bone marrow transplant. And I think there's still some question of whether or not she was completely ready for that, but you have to make that call. It needs to happen now or she's going to die. Or do we take the chance of it not being perfect? The option was go with making sure she lives. Right. So post bone marrow transplant, she had this seizure, which may or may not have been related to that infection. And that's when this third chapter really of this story sort of began because you were still again in isolation and and quarantine, you know, at post bone marrow transplant, you can't really see anyone because they're worried about infection. And it's after that that I forgot everybody, correct? After the yeah, seizure? When you woke up from... Yes. Yeah. So then when I woke up from the seizure, I had no idea where I was or who I was or my husband or my kids or my father or my friends. I had no idea what was going on. And, you know, he would say, I'm Trey. And I was like, well, it's nice to meet you. He's like, I'm your husband. I'm like, oh, okay. Well, hi. And, you know, then it, it slowly things began to make sense, but only the closest things. Other people that can't, you know, I have friends that tell me they visited me 50 times in, over the past two years, and I have no recollection. Um, I didn't know who they were. I didn't know why they were there. I just thought it was great that they brought cookies, you know. So um, it, it's a challenge only because I've made it to the other side, but I've lost quite a bit. So it's kind of living in this sense of the undefined that I'm still in right now is is hard. Um, but then there's so much gratitude that goes along with, you know, I, I couldn't, I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for all the stuff, these amazing doctors and family and friends. But it's a push and pull and I'm not out of it. I'm still, you know, I'm still swimming in the muck. And what I think is, is in, in your clear timeline I, and, and remembering you want, you know, it's like a screenplay. Like you want to know, oh, is this when the good guys win? Are we mm -hmm. done? And, you know, I remember really well, because the other thing, Nance, is you kept uh, having little things that made the process more complicated. So you had this genetic marker that made finding a bone marrow donor a little right. bit more complicated. Well, not impossible, you know. So nothing was easy. Everything was like a little bit harder and then I remember Trey, her husband, uh, 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 did a blog almost yeah. daily um, yeah. so that we all were up to date. And what I found, and maybe this is, again, why I keep coming back to why I wanted to do this podcast, why I keep coming back to the theme of it, is my simple, probably second grade brain, it's like, did we win? Well, that's the competitive, that's the irony of like, I'm such a competitive person. Well, tell us about, uh, she, you were a, an Olympian right, gymnast. Right, I, I was a, well, I had a lot of stuff thwarted. I started in gymnastics and then I got injured, so I couldn't do it anymore. And I moved to rhythmic gymnastics, which um, was not an Olympic sport, but I did make the, what they called the Olympic team. So I went to the World Games and I traveled all over the world in all sorts of different championships. And then I ended up basically going to Yale 
and, you know, got a job right out of college at ABC and then worked there and then went to Fox. And I had a, I had a big kind of life um, and high expectations of myself constantly, always, you know, work hard, work hard, work hard, succeed, succeed. So then to be this person who's forgotten all of that and, you know, has just no memory of even how to find the bathroom in her house and what you use after you go to the bathroom. No, sweetie, you don't use a towel. You use this. It's toilet paper. Ah, toilet paper. Right. Got it. You know, it's very humbling. You know, the experience has been, you know, complicated. What's your, is there a name for your neurological impairment? Is there like post-coma, blah, blah, blah. Is there a... a, a well, they, they are, I mean, it's a chemo-related amnesia, I guess is what he always says to me. But I don't know if there's a medical, I'm sure there's a medical term, right. which I've forgotten. <laughs> I'm sure I've been told it on the um, way here. But that, okay, what you just said is at the heart of it because you and I, and I'm sure, Karen, I don't know you as well, but I'm sure mm -hmm. you share this because we're can-do gals in this culture. Like we just, even if we're compassionate, earthy types, we're still type A types, you know, and it's why we're, we have agency in the world and it's why we're awesome. Right. But then these things, humbling is the right, like, can you, sh I don't know if you remember, and I'll, I'll start the story and seriously jump in if you remember, or if not, Thank I'll you. tell the story because it was so <laughs> meaningful. Nancy and I are part of a, 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 a group of women that meet together pretty regularly. And uh, we got closer, honestly, while you were ill. So one of the last times at our friend Annie's, you were talking about, Nancy has a lot of humor when she forgets something. She's, you've always had humor, like self-deprecating, oh my God. But you shared, you, you were moved to tears about how some of that is faking just kind of getting through in a jovial way this, your actual experience, which is pretty confused most of the time. And, and that idea of faking really was moving to me and, you know, how a lot of us do it in different ways, you know, but the stress of that and um, how really it's really hard to rejoin the, the world, the busy, busy world and keep up. Yeah. Well, it, I'm trying to remember the story, which I don't. <laughs> What's the story? Well, but the I mean, story it revolves was, was that you just got more honest about you. Yeah. You dropped the jokes and you're like, you know what? Actually, some of this joking is because I am kind of faking how hard it is. Right. And it's funny because, you know, it does get so challenging that there are times where I just get up and I leave. You know, my husband will come out. He's like, you didn't need to leave. You didn't really have to go to the bathroom. I'm like, no, I have to go to the bathroom. I just couldn't sit there anymore. You know, it was, it was too challenging. I wasn't sure what they were talking about. I don't, you know, we were talking about a story that I don't remember on a topic I have no knowledge of. So I was just nodding my head a lot. And I was like, well, I got to go to the bathroom. And then I went to the bathroom and sobbed a little and then came back. So it's, I'm not sure if that's what you were talking no, about. No, it's exactly <laughs> what I'm talking about. And another thing you just made me, you know, because you've got these three kiddos and everybody's really smart and argumentative and lively. And you, you know, without taking anything away from all that, you said, wow, I never realized how everybody's got to one-up each other or everybody's got to be, you know, you see you're, you're softer, you're more vulnerable, you know, yeah. you can't keep up. What does yeah. it feel like when you can't keep up? Well, it's hard. And it's funny, my son, we have very spirited family dinners when we all get, you know, we're very good about several days a week, all five of us are together and we pick a topic. And my one son at one point was like very kind of distant. And I, I, afterward, I was approached him. I was like, 
did I upset you or is something going on? He's like, you just, you don't talk anymore. And I was like, what? He's like, you don't join our conversation. You just sit there. And I was like, oh, bud, that's because I'm having trouble. He's like, well, tell us that, you know? Mm. And I was like, oh. And so we had a very kind of intimate discussion where he was like understanding, wow, this is hard for you. You're embarrassed. And I was like, you know, it's hard, but it's hard for you because you know me as somebody who's the engager. So for me to be sitting there just nodding and smiling is uncomfortable. So it was a nice moment of connection. So there's a level of intimacy that is slowly happening. And I would say, oh, it's all better, but it's not. It's a process because, you know, it's hard for me still to process just my thoughts on, you know, everything. Well, and I think too, uh, we talked about this a little bit with Brad when he was talking about going through a, a loss that, you know, people want you to go back. It's like, are you done? Are you done with that? You know? So in a way it's like you quote unquote beat cancer, you're back. Right. right. And it's like, I am, I am, you right. know, and I'm sure as a mother, you say, I'm not, I'm not dying. I'm cancer free. That's important thing for you to know my right. children. And I'm different. Yeah. Well, and that's, what's interesting is whether it's an opinion on a news topic or a friendship, you know, there is a friend who, um, we ran into, I was with my husband and I, was talking to him for a long time. And after he was like, why were you talking to him so long? We hate him. And I was like, we do? He's like, he was so horrible to you. Don't you remember? And he told me this whole story. I'm like, I don't remember. I said, he seemed nice. He's like, no, no, we, he's out of our life. And I was like, he is? Okay, well, I'm not sure I feel that way. He's like, mm, come on, sweetie, you remember. And he told me the whole story. I'm like, I don't remember, but like, can we give him a second chance? So it's a funny thing where it's like, you know, You've been with somebody for 25 years and they have an opinion of something that you've forgotten and you've created a new opinion and that causes friction. But that's, I also want to talk about that because again, the specifics of your neurology and memory, like you're not having, you don't have the habit, right? Sometimes it's like, oh, I have a resentment against that person. I can't remember why. But my body's remembering that you know, hate I fucking him. hate you. You know what I mean? Right. You have been wiped clean, right? right? So you are receiving somebody anew. Right. So the cool thing is you get to receive somebody anew and you're an open-hearted, interested person. But it's it's almost like a Down syndrome person with stranger danger. Right. You know, maybe right. it's like, no, well, that person like tried to, right. you know, hit your daughter. It's like, oh my God, I don't, I'm not feeling it. Right. I mean, that was And be the person really... who, you know, he's the person who loves me most and he's trying to protect me. Right. So obviously his interests are in the right way and I'm trying to be my own person. So then I become a little combative. Right. With the, you know, teenager, don't tell me what to do. Right. You know, I'll talk to who I want to talk to. Right. Even though after I'm like, oh man, that was a bad choice. Right. <laughs> that guy's a user and he's horrible. And at the end of the conversation, he just wanted to borrow money from us right. or whatever it is. Right, right. And Trey's like, okay, well, you know, I... You need to explore your feelings. And I was right. like, all right. So it's a whole other side of like um, the memory issue only because I'm reinventing what I want in people. And I'm seeing them as the way I see everybody, which is kind and good and helpful, you know, because everybody was just so amazing with me. Stick around. We'll be right back. Hey everyone, I just wanted to drop in real quick to tell you about the Challengers Facebook group, 
a meeting place for us to discuss each episode of the podcast and support one another as we explore these sensitive topics. You'll also find exclusive content and more. A link to the Facebook group can be found in the show notes of this episode. I hope you'll join me in continuing the conversation. Moving into the second half of today's episode, we're going to talk a bit about the day-to-day of Nancy's recovery and how her support system helps her through difficult times. Listen in on the rest of our conversation. Is there anything you're doing right now to help you with this? Are there people, groups, anything like that? Well, I would say this friend of mine, David, um, but he's it's not emotional. His was physical. But he takes me to this group. So it's called We Spark, where everybody shares. And they've all had versions of this. They've of the all neurology? Had, of uh, the- some of it is memory loss. Okay. Some of it is just, you know, complete, like full amnesia. Okay. Some is in the middle of it and know they only have two years left, their lifespan. So the fear of death. And So, so are there people there that you connect to? Or what are they doing? quote unquote, doing, look at me, I'm still obsessed. Like are there things to do, like little well, brain exercises? No, I mean, I do brain exercises. I do puzzles and, you know, right. that kind of, I do dexterous things with my hands that are supposed to simulate your nerves, exercise. Um, but it's all like games, brain games. I do a ton of those. Um, and do you find they help? I find I've gotten really good at them. (laughs) My kids won't play me at Connect Four anymore, unfortunately. But um, yeah, I think it helps. I do think it helps. Um, But, you know, I'll read a book and get to the end and not remember the end and start it again or a movie. And my husband will say, didn't you watch that yesterday? I'm like, did I? Mm. And then I'll just say, oh, but I liked it so much I'm watching it again. But in fact, I'd forgotten that I've watched it. Mm. So, um, and then halfway through, I'm like, oh, I know what's going to happen. And he's like, because you watched it. (laughs) Right. I watched it. That's why I know it's going to happen. So every day is a challenge because I'm still in it right now. You know, the swamp is over there and I'm about at my chest, but I'm not. I can still breathe. Can you curl up into a ball? Some do you feel, do you allow yourself to curl up into a ball and I just do. like check out? Yeah, I do. It's, it's I do. exhausting. It's what exhausting, you're doing. and it's and and then I'm just embarrassed. Someone will walk in as I sob hysterically, and I turn the fan on and the radio, and then I'm like, "This is ridiculous." And then I'm like, "Okay, I feel better." Right. Whatever it was, you yeah. Know, but there's, you know, there's because it's sad. What you've it been is through sad. is sad. I feel sorry for her. And I can I just say I'm <laughs> oh, really me. sorry you went through that. Thank you. I truly am sorry. I uh, thank you. Well, it's funny. I go to the recovery groups and everyone tells their story, but mine. Everyone at the end is like, "Oh, you win." And I was like, "I do." Yes, I'm competitive. My story is worse than your story. Oh, but you're but you're cancer free, so they must resent you for that. I am. The cancer I'm people. cancer free for now. Oh. It doesn't mean it's never coming back. Right. I've, but I thought it did. But, but just have, all the details of your story suck so bad. Yes, because most people <laughs> most people have a lot of pain, but not both pain and emotion, physical, um, um, mental uh, issues in right. terms of memory. That's good. You got that. You remember that? Memories, memories, memories. The memories is tough. The memories is every, tough. Especially everyone, including you and you, have like these basically photographic memories. I have, my kids remember everything, which is fabulous for them and super annoying for me. Did you, so after you talked to your son, did you notice like a little 
softening yes. around the dining table. Yeah. Yes, a hundred percent. Because they're kind people. Once it they didn't knew- stop me from making salmon three days in a row. Right. When I forgot, he's like, "Did we had salmon last night?" I'm like, "No, we didn't." He's like, "We did." I'm like, "We did." He's like, "Look in the fridge." I'm like, "We did." Sorry. He's like, "You're right. I'm an idiot." He's like, "I know. It's fine." But you know. It's just, uh, it right. did soften. It's, right. But it, so that's part of the deal is just leaning into the fact that things are different and that I have to just accept them the way they are. And are you, are you like, like in your deep, dark, you know, spidey sense, are you like, I think I got to be prepared or are you like, no, I'm going to do whatever I can. You know what I mean? I go back and forth. Go back and forth. I go back yeah. and forth, honestly, between I can't do this. This is too much. I, I'm embarrassed all the time. And Oh my God, look how far I've come. Look how great. I'm not going to let everybody down who supported me. I'm going to do this. But it's a it's a constant battle of look how far you've come and look how far you've fallen. So I want to be like, hey. Of course. I'm on the other side. I yeah, won. No, fuck that. No, no, but no. I'm that's not. That's why we're making this podcast. I'm not. I'm like, <laughs> God damn yeah, it. And the, and the doctors are so vague with you too. I think that's Oh, it's tough. like the freaking eye an issue. Answer. Like, you know, I go to both guys. They're like, oh, we don't know what to do. We've done all we can do. I'm like, that doesn't work. That's not good enough. And, you know, it's the same thing. You know, I thought I was in full remission forever. And then I'm reading an article and it says, well, you never know. There's no such thing with acute lymphoblastic leukemia with the Philadelphia chromosome of full remission. I'm like, what? But I thought there was. So I all I can do is kind of just do my best right now and see what I see. Because if I plan ahead, it's devastating. I mean, and there has been enormous development in your abilities since the since you first came home. Since has there? Yeah. Well, I mean, when <laughs> you were describing, know. you know, like you said, you're very good at faking it. But when you first came home, you were so out of it that you pulled a life saving port out of your chest, even though you were told every thirty seconds by a nurse who was with you, "Don't do that." And you're like, "Yeah, yeah, I know, I know." And went into the bathroom one morning and ripped it out of your chest. I mean, you're not at that place anymore, you know. And the doctors, you know, were telling you at the time, because you had enough cognizance at the time to say, you know, is this as good as it gets? Is, you know, am I going to be okay? And they kept saying, you need to be more patient than you've ever been in your life. The change is incremental. And per each visit, we all saw huge advancements, but, you know, you're impatient. You want to just be done. Like you were saying, Amy, it's like, all right, when do I get to be finished with this? Because, all right, I did it and, you know, now I'm done. But even now, even when I see you now between visits, there are things that have vastly improved from when I've seen you even a month ago and other things that that I still see you struggling up against, you know, right. it, but it's it's a slow moving train. Well, that and that's what makes me laugh is when I see friends that have been helpful, I haven't seen in months and I wake up that morning and I'm feeling awful and they're like, you look so much better than you've ever looked. And I was like, "Woo, all right. <laughs> I look really like bad. shit. <laughs> what did I look like before? Um, <laughs> I have a question. And again, uh, if you don't remember these kinds of conversations, like we, we can move on, but there was a lot of like, what did I do to bring this on? Not in a necessarily self-flagellation way, but in an understanding way. I want to understand, like, was it this or did I do this or did I do this? And, you know, what I would say and what most people said is, I don't think you did or didn't do anything. I think this is, it's like you're on the ass end of a statistic num- number. You know, if 2% of humans get this, you're in that time, you know. But I... Are you asking, like, do I ever do the why me? 
I'm asking you if you not a little bit of why me, but why or why did this happen? Are you do you ever go there these days? Like what the, did you I? Because that a, was a pretty intense, and you were. This is not when you were not in your right mind. That was an honest uh, response to trauma of like, dear God, how did this happen? How can I prevent it from happening? And do you go on that? You know, it's funny. You would think creatively, because I'm a creative thinker. I would. But I think I'm just in the like in the marathon. Like, yeah. it's here. Here we go. Right. Like, what can we do to help pull me out of it? I don't do a lot of why me, how this happened. I don't understand. Because you used to. That's I really know. interesting. That's and another shift. I think it's I moved into, and maybe it's from the groups and the support. But at this point, I realize it's, you know, um, it's not helpful. Um, in fact, it sends me down a very sad rabbit hole, and I've learned that that's just something that I don't have the energy to pull myself out of. So instead, it's like, okay, next step, next step, going up the mountain, going up the mountain. How can I get there? You know. But then it's funny because my husband gave me this analogy about how, which is apparently true, that people that climb is it Mount Everest? Is that what I said? I think so. Oh, yeah, yeah. That was they have Sherpas that get them up the way and help them and. Once they get up there, you know, they're so they, survival is amazing. They get to the top. But what people don't know is that most of them, all the deaths happen on the way down because they've been left to their own devices and they go too quickly and they're exhausted mm -hmm. and they have no support. So they make it to the top, but it's on the way back down that many of them die. Mm -hmm. And his analogy was like, you've had all the support and now you're in the part where you're alone. People have like already brought you food and sat with you and read books to you and sent mm -hmm. you gifts. And now they're like, we're done. She's home. Mm. And you're left, you know, with the remnants of what used to be your brain. Mm. And so this is the part that's actually as hard for you because you're conscious of what you've lost versus mm. being unaware. So I think I'm in that moment still of like, I'm not like, why me? But I'm like, let's, I'm just tired, but I'm not, I'm not giving up. But it is exhausting. Well, and as you said, I mean, that's so beautifully put about the Sherpas. I mean, and, you know, you casually throw in the eye thing. And so I want to say to whoever's listening, it's like, okay, there's the cancer, but then it's like, yeah, I'm quote unquote cancer free, but then there's neurological stuff. You're suffering terribly from this dry eye thing, you have right. TMJ. So again, bow down to big ass Western medicine and there, when everybody's like, woohoo, we saved her, like you're living with right. all of these effects of this big fucking interventionist medicine that saved your life. Right. But definitely left me. Cost. Yeah, at a cost. I mean, I, people are like, hey, you feel great. And what I want to say is actually my eyes are killing me. Right. I can't see. My fingers and toes are numb constantly. I'm always nauseous. I have diarrhea. I have sores inside of my mouth. I can't remember a thing. I've lost all my hair. But yes, I'm doing great. <laughs> Thanks. Things are fantastic. I'm cancer free. I'm cancer free. Everything's great. <laughs> so, you know, it's, um, and it was traumatizing on my family. Because I was the heart of the family. You know, my husband went off. He was the producer of work and I was the producer of the kids. So three kids who all have big needs was a full-time job. And suddenly they only had each other and my husband and it changed their life. And they became incredibly close, which was fantastic, but also complicated because I come back and they don't need me the way they did. So I'm like, okay, my old life as a writer is gone. My second life as a mom is gone. What exactly is left? Yeah. 
Well, I always say it was almost like a Rip Van Winkle year, you know, because your <laughs> Clemmy was already out, your oldest, yeah. and your boys, even if you'd been around the house, were at a time where they would need you less. Mm -hmm. It just got accelerated, and you like Rip Van Winkled for a year and came back and like, what the fuck? Mm -hmm. Like, what what do I do? Yeah, with myself. Yeah, um, and you were struggling with that before you got sick. In fact, that was the last breakfast I had had with you. you was were, it? We were talking, which I know you don't recall. Tell me, <laughs> sitting at CC, where you were, you were like, God, what comes next? What comes next? Right. You know, I'm I thought about, that was you that said that. Well, we are all saying that. <laughs> yeah. saying, but you were saying that as well. You're like, what comes next? And, you know, the kids are getting older. And, you know, do I write? Do I this? Do I that? And then nature gave you this wonderful cancer project. Oh. To, uh, <laughs> <laughs> so I um, asked. So what you're saying yeah, is, I asked you for are, it. That's what I'm saying. The reason I asked is you for asked it. for it. Yep. So this is, and th I always want to be careful with with uh, the kind of thing I'm about to say because I really don't want to be too reductive of like silver lining, campus paper be us bullshit. But like collateral things that happen that happen for you. And and I do think like a, a universal theme that's coming up is you you join this club. I don't want like I know for me with my daughter, it's like I'm not a mom of a kid with special needs. Like I, no no no, she's we're gonna get a lot of intervention, and then I'll be in the normal club. Like I don't I'm not you know. So for us, it was this gradual dawning, which for me honestly was the neuropsych in seventh grade, where I was like, not like, gonna you know, I am I'm I am actually part of this club. This is the appropriate club. So I think that you get some news, something happens, something challenges you, you're isolated, you're like, I'm clinging to this old thing, right? And then whether it's acceptance or whatever, and then and then inevitably with healthy people like yourself, it does lead to a new kind of community, you know, which is not like reaching out, but it's like, I got to find, you know, Susan McMartin was talking about this, like, if shit happens, like, we do know how to call people. It's like, who's been through this? Mm -hmm. Who's been through it? You know mm -hmm. what I mean? So... I think I see that happening with you, obviously, literally with these, um, you know, support groups and stuff. But tell the story you told me at lunch about the the guy at Trader Joe's, the twenty percent off uh, guy, just because that you were so articulate about how that is different than well, it would have been. Well, there was a guy. He just looked, you know, kind of. He was like a, cat, a checkout guy. He right? was a checkout guy, and he looked kind of tired and harried. And I just said, I kind of looked at him in the eye, and I said, um, "How are you doing?" And he said, "You know, I'm okay." And I'm like, "Really?" He's like, "I'm tired." And I said, why? He's like, well, I've been here four hours and I work two jobs. And, um, you know, it's, it's just, uh, it's it's a lot. And, uh, and I said, oh, yeah, I get it. Well, thank you. You're doing a great job. I really appreciate it. He's like, you having a good day? You know, he's like, I, I used to come in here all the time. I haven't seen you in a while. I'm like, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm okay. I'm good. But, you know, it's a, it's been a journey. He's like, oh, well, I hope everything's okay. I'm like, it is now. Um, you know, I had leukemia. And he was like, oh, what? I don't know. I don't know what that is. What's leukemia? And I said, oh, it's it's kind of a cancer. And, you know, I gave him a two second version, chemotherapy, radiation, bone marrow transplant, amnesia. And he was like, oh, wow. And I, he said, that's that's kind of amazing. And I said, yeah, but, you know, I'm doing great. And, um, you know, he's like, OK. And I handed him my card and he kind of smiled and and I he pulled something out and then he put it in the machine and I got the bill. And I was like, it doesn't look right. And I look and he's giving me 20% off. And I look at him and I said, wait, I'm, I'm sorry, what is that? And he said, uh, family discount. We're family now. And I said, uh, thanks. And I was, you know, it's one of those, the kindness of strangers. I think I skipped a story. We, I think I skipped something. We talked about 
cancer or something in there. But, anyway. but what you no, you beautiful is perfect. And then also like what you said at lunch was that was the kind of interaction you wouldn't have time in your in your normal life. Right. You would have been like got to get to gymnastics or right. like college was, prep. Or, well, it was I, that's what it was, which yeah. was that moment of me looking him in the eye, going, you know, you look tired, and he was like, um, yeah. As opposed to me going, hey, I gotta go, gotta go, I got yeah. parking. And so I think it was just taking that extra four minutes just to look at him in the eye and say, thank you so much and tell me how you feel. And I think he was really grateful for that. And I feel like I, that is what's changed. I don't rush through everything anymore. I definitely take time to digest what I'm hearing versus just get to the next task. And I think that's really, um, I don't know, that's changed my perspective of other other people. You know, it's not... It's how can I make a difference in their life the way people have made a difference in my life. So it's slowed me down in a good way, you know, in a more centered way. Nancy is a cancer survivor, the mother of three children, and a writer-producer. You can read about her recovery journey at allinwithnancy.blogspot.com. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of The Challengers with Amy Brenneman. That's me. You can keep in touch with me on socials at Amy Brenneman on Twitter and Instagram. And you can like my page on Facebook. Just search for Amy Brenneman. Last but not least, please, please, please rate, review, and subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcasts. We'll see you soon for a brand new episode.